Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. We are once again live down here in the Bear Cave Studios for the very first inaugural episode of Nuestra Grandeza. It's our first episode in a line of many, many, hopefully to come, interview-based podcasts focusing on the Latino athlete, helping them get a platform to share what they're doing, what they've been through, how they got to where they're at, and really inspire the future generations. So my very first guest is a good friend of mine, best man at my wedding, owner of Club Raw Fit in Airmont, New York, author of Your Fat, Admit It, two-time Olympic athlete, five-time Hall of Fame martial arts inductee, six-degree black belt, founder of Panthers Martial Arts, and he has his very own podcast, so check it out, Master Al's Power Talk, my good friend, Master Al Quinceno, Master Al, thank you for coming on. My pleasure, brother, thanks for having me, it's a pleasure, honestly. Anytime, thank you, thank you very much, we appreciate you coming on the inaugural episode. So for those fans out there here in the Sports Frenzy universe that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right, well, I guess you pretty much told them everything I've done so far, <laughs> which is pretty, wow, I was listening to you saying all that, and I'm like, holy shit, that's pretty, that's pretty fucking impressive. <laughs> not bad, right? The funny not, bad. Thing, nah, not bad at all. You know, the funny thing is I have never seen myself as the athlete, the way you just portrayed to everybody on the podcast i never seen myself like that you know and, it, and it's funny because when everybody asked me how did i started with the martial arts training you know it, it started pretty much by getting my ass kicked when i was a little kid in school you know and i was getting my ass kicked by this one kid in school and i could never hit him back because his older brother was always with him two older brothers so i had to like really just take the fucking bitten brother and just whatever because if i hit the kid back it was going to be a lot worse for me and this went on and on and on for quite some time. And so th- the thing is, we, I'm obviously, well, I'm, so I'm Colombian. So I remember back in the days, there was no school bus, none of that shit. You had to walk to school. And when people or parents do tell you, especially parents from other countries, when they tell you, I had to fucking walk 10 miles each way to go to school, they're not bullshitting. And it's true. <laughs> it was legit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like everybody says, oh my God, we hear the story from everybody. But the truth is, is that's the truth, bro. And, so this kid will beat my ass, and, and the funny thing, he will be like literally on my way either to home or to school. So it's like I couldn't avoid it. Yeah. And then one time I got pissed off in school, his brothers weren't there, and I beat the shit out of him. But then guess what? Now it was worse for me because now I couldn't go my regular way to go to, to go home. So I had to actually take a, like a detour, go somewhere else, bro. It will take me an extra like 40 minutes just to get home. And I had to do that shit just because I knew I was going to get my ass kicked big time. <laughs> So, <laughs> and that's what motivated me to say, you know what, I need to do like karate lessons or something, bro. But we couldn't afford it. You know, mm-hmm. we're broke as shit. So we couldn't afford it. So, so guess what? I start by literally just stealing every karate book in the library. Any library with a karate book, it didn't matter if it was karate, taekwondo, judo. As long as I saw somebody with a uniform, with a gi, I would steal that shit, bro. Couldn't afford a book, right? <laughs> right. And honestly, that's how everything started. Starting a really bad, kind of like a bad example. But I was determined to like learn martial arts and shit, and, and it became my passion. And then from that little passion of mine, I wanted to become a black belt. And then once I became a black belt, I'm like, shit, I wonder if I can get to my second degree black belt and become a master. And, and one thing just 
just lead to the other one. You know, just led to one thing led to the next one where my friends keep saying how good I was. And they say, dude, you're a good fighter. You're amazing. You know, you should really train for the Olympics and shit, right? And I'm like, well, Taekwondo is really one of the only, back in the days, one of the only two sports that go to the Olympics. Judo was the first one. And then Taekwondo was the second one. So I'm like, I guess I'm on the right, I'm in the right sport, right? Mm -hmm. So all my friends keep telling me how amazing I was as a fighter. So I start training for the Olympics and... I got my ass kicked left and right the first week of Olympic training. So it goes to show you how all my friends are telling me how bad of a you know I was a badass. Right. I was getting my ass kicked, bro. I was like nobody, you know. And like I say, little by little, just staying in the game and training hard. And it's just funny how life just passes you and you don't even realize it. And one thing that I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know what? Just don't be derailed. Just stay on track. Stay on track. You you have no idea what the future holds. And so it came a point in my life where, you know, finished high school and then I had to make a decision to go into college. Of course, every Latina mom wants you to, like, be a doctor and be a lawyer or be a pilot, you know. Yeah. And so <laughs> I started going to school, you know, but I hated every second of it, bro, until I had to be truthful to myself. And I said, you know what? School is not for me. And what I want to do, they don't really teach in school, you know. I want to be an Olympian. I want to, like, do all these things with martial arts. I want to open my own martial arts school you know, my own fitness business and stuff. And they don't teach you this shit in school. I had to, like, really, I had to, like, just go and train more. So I ended up quitting college. Parents weren't really upset. I mean, they weren't really happy with me. My mom was extremely upset. She actually stopped talking to me for, like, about two to three years. Wow. Yeah, that's how pissed off she was. She thought I was doing drugs. She thought I was doing the wrong thing. You know, I was never home. But, you know, I was training literally six days a week, eight hours a day, sometimes ten hours a day. If we had to go somewhere else to fight, we would train seven days a week. So she would not, never see me, right. you know. So she thought I was doing, like, all the wrong things, you know. And um, it, it, would, it was uh, hard, fun. And like I tell people all the time, it was probably the best and worst time of my life. The best because, obviously, all the things that you learn, the experiences, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's priceless. The worst because I, I, I tell people all the time. Even from the very first day of Olympic training, I wanted to quit. The very next morning, when I woke up in the morning and my body hurt like like I really got hit by a truck, at that moment I wanted to quit. But then I just realized that hey, I I quit school. This is a I'm, I'm like a fucking Viking, bro. I, I I quit school and said this is it. I'm not going back. You know, it's like I got there and I burned the boat. You know what I mean? Like this is it. We're moving forward, and uh, so it was really tough because, like I say, at that moment, the very next day, when every muscle in my body hurt, I wanted to like go back to college. <laughs> I wanted, like, you know what? I'll go get my books now. I, it's all right. I thought college was easier, <laughs> <laughs> but it just. But then I realized college wasn't for me. You know, so so I tell people all the time. I'm not saying education is is not good for you. All I'm saying is that if what you need to do, what you want to do in life, is you have to learn in college or some sort of a, you know, classroom, then you must have to do that. But if what you want to do in life, let's say like in my case, be an athlete and do all these different things that they don't teach in college, then at that point you have to go and find your own classroom somewhere else. Right. So was it easy? No. Was it hard? Yes, very hard. But I guess staying truthful to yourself is really key to, to, to your life, to yourself, you know? Right. So as you were going through the whole Olympic process, what was the most difficult time going through it for you well so all right so at that at that time i was already living with my ex-wife and so the hardest part was 
trying to be home with with your wife, right? At that mm-hmm. at that time, working because I needed to support myself and obviously support my wife at that time as well. And then we had Jonathan, you know. So we have John, and so now I'm I'm a very young dad with a shitty job. Uh, I can't even say a shitty job. A few shitty part-time jobs, training eight hours a day, six days a week, trying to be a good husband. You know what I mean? And right. and the hardest part was really trying to like manage all that at once. And then I, it was so terrible that at one point my ex-wife asked me back then that I needed to make a decision between Taekwondo or my relationship with her. Wow. The thing is, it was a, it was very tough, and to me it was like a kick in the balls. Because what happened was when I was eight years old, so this is the part that I missed telling you guys in the beginning. I don't want to make it too lengthy. but mm-hmm. So I'm eight years old, and I remember, like, I don't know, let's say three months before I said that was going to be a black belt. So three months before that, I said to my mom, oh, my God, I, I want to be a cop when I grow up. And my mom said, oh, that's cool, right? And then a week later, I said, oh, no, maybe maybe I want to be a pilot. And, I, and three weeks later, no, no, I want to be a fireman. You know what I mean? Like what kids do all the time, right? Yeah. It, the, shit, the goal changes every, every couple of weeks or every time they see a movie their goal changes because they get excited with the new thing that they're watching, right? right? And then I remember going to my mom and tell that I was going to be a black belt, that I was going to be a black belt and I was going to open my own, type, well, I didn't say Taekwondo, I said my own karate school. And she laughed. She says, okay, good. I'm glad that, you know, you want to do that. But nothing serious, like there was no support there or anything. And then, uh, so we were in Colombia. My dad, so I was 80 years old. My dad has been living in this country or left in this country, unfortunately, he passed. But my dad was living in this country since I was 10 months old. So when I, and back then it wasn't like now, with the communication that we have now, which is technology is incredible. But back then you write a letter, the letter will get that about a week later. By the time they wrote the letter, they'll took the, you know, let's say people will take another week to write the letter because people wouldn't just drop whatever they were doing to write a letter back and send it the next morning. You know what I mean? Right. So people probably took a few days to write the letter. So anyways, by the time I communicate with my dad, write the letter and he'll decide to write back and the letter get back to us to Columbia, it literally maybe between two to three weeks will pass. And I remember begging him. I said, dad, please, one dollar will, pa- will buy me lessons, karate lessons. Mm-hmm. And he never sent the dollar, bro. He never sent the money. He wow. never sent the one dollar. Never, never sent it. So here I am, stealing books from the library, getting my hands into anything that says martial arts on it. One of my good friends in Colombia, you know, and again, we were like in middle school or whatever, whatever the hell you are, or elementary school, whatever. He was already taking Taekwondo classes, and he says, hey, come and check me out. You know, I'm taking Taekwondo, and I'm a purple belt, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, I'd love to, right? Mm-hmm. So I will go and chill, and this is one thing I will never forget. His master or sensei, you know, karate, he was karate, mm-hmm. Taekwondo, but his sensei or his master will, when he was a slow class, he knew I was a poor guy. Like, I wouldn't have money. He would wake me in. He would let me come in and be part of the class. Oh, and I would be awesome. the happiest fucking kid in town, bro. <laughs> but then, all the, yeah, because, I mean, I'm like, they're doing, like, that's something that I was fascinated with, right? Yeah. I'm getting my ass kicked by this prick. Remember that little kid that was yeah. kicking my ass? And I couldn't touch him because his brothers were there. So here I am. It's, like, my chance to learn how to, like, fight back. And then, um, and then I will show up every day, bro. I'll show up every single day. And then there was all the times where the class was so packed and I would be sitting there by the by the bench and shit. And I would look at him, he'll look at me and he will just like, you know, he'll nod his head kind of like saying, no, not today. Like, I'm really busy. I don't have, you know, and I, and I understood. And uh, so what I, would, what, I, what I used to do, I used to just watch the class and try to memorize as much as I could from the class and then go home and practice. 
And for all I can tell you, bro, I probably was doing everything backwards. Maybe I was stepping, <laughs> I was probably stepping with the right, punching with the left, you know, like I was too, but, but I was happy. Like right. I would go, bro, and I would practice for hours. It, and I didn't know where it was, I was doing it wrong or right. I was just going based on what I remember from the class. Right. There was nobody fixing me, correcting me. Then I started looking at the books and shit to see if my stances look good. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you started with like this whole thing. So, so here I am, my father not sending $1, bro, $1. All he had to do was one dollar will pay for my lessons. That's my mom kind of like laughed in my face. Yeah, it's sad, bro, right? Yeah. And then, um, and here I am, years later, now in the United States, married, and now it's my my wife at that point, at that time, asking me to choose. How do you like them apples? So all of a sudden, you're like, holy shit, is, is this for real? Like you're supposed to support me. You support. You know my background. You know my story. You know. Yeah. You know my like. Literally, you know how, how it was when I was a little kid. I told you the story many times, and now you put him in that situation where you're asking me to choose, and that sucked. That really sucked because at that moment, well, at that moment, I told her the truth, bro, when she says you need to choose between me or Taekwondo. And I'm like, oh, God, I said, I don't think you're going to like this answer. <laughs> I said, but, <laughs> I said, but you're asking for it, so I'm like, yeah. Taekwondo, and I said, I can't believe you're making me choose between one or the other. I mean, there's no no reason to choose. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I I I did understand where she was coming from. You yeah. know, she says, I want you to be like a regular dad. You know, be home by four, five o'clock, six o'clock tops. Be here with me and, and and the kid and the baby. You know, spend time together as a family. But it's like I never saw me making a living in a in a regular job. I knew I knew right. that there was something else for me, and I knew this from my like it was in my heart. You know when you got that little feeling that it's, it's, it's there's got to be something more. It's got to be there's something better out there for me. Right. You know, and and I just I just stay truthful to my dreams, bro. I just that's what I did. And when I when I had these rough times in my life that I had to make a decision, I all I did what I had to do. You know, yeah. well eventually that cost me my my marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and uh, by the time I we got divorced, we already had two kids, two boys. You know, which and not so little anymore. One is 26, the other one is 23. And, you know, one is a fifth degree black belt master instructor. The other one is a fourth degree master. You know, so so my boys were able to like, I was able to pass this to my kids. And, and guess what? Because of that little boy at one point, a year old, I said, this is what I want. And I'm not going to give up no matter what. And it didn't matter what came my way, bro. So, so now we, like you say, we own a business that is martial arts and fitness. Both of my boys work with me. And it's probably the best decision I ever made in my life, bro. I, I, even after I divorced the woman, I spend more time with my kids than ever because they will come and train every single day. I'll take them home at the end of the day. Now they work for me. We see each other every single day, bro. It's it's one of those those stories that honestly, more so, I guess more so than training for two two Olympic events or or becoming a, a five time martial arts Hall of Famer. And at one point, I had my own TV show. You know, I, I had my own MMA fighting company. You know, all these different things that I accomplished, I tell you, the most amazing thing to me at this level now is the fact that I was able to be with my sons, even as a divorced parent, mm-hmm. more than anyone else could ever imagine. Every single day of my life, we have never left each other. And to me, that's probably my greatest success. That's awesome. That's perfect. Yeah, that's, thanks, man. That, that's the dream right there. You want to be able it to is, pass bro. it on to your kids. and Yep. Spend yep. the time, as much time with them as possible. Exactly, bro. I was able to do both. So guess what? You know why? It worked out pretty good for me. You, you know, wound up winning really in the end. 
and yeah, you're exactly. killing it right exactly. now with your business. We'll get to that a little bit later on, but sure, sure. you're you're killing it there. But I wanted to get some cultural questions in for you. I wanted sure. to get your perspective. Being Latino, what does it mean to you? Everybody's uh, got pride. their own little thing, but to you, what does it mean? To me, it's pride, bro. I, you know what? I, ah, yeah. it's it's such a general question in a sense where I can answer you from just about any, any every angle. Right. But to me, I can describe the entire thing with just one word: pride. Like I'm proud to be Latino. I'm proud to 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 represent a, a, a culture that that I, I find I'm, I'm not without insulting anyone, obviously, but I find the a culture that is not superior in, in the way we think we are, but superior in a way of the things that we have to face when we come into this country. So obviously there's Latinos that were born here, like my kids, right? My boys are born here. So, but in general, you know, people don't realize how hard sometimes it's to come from another country and, and compete and, and being looked down instead of looking at, as an equal and having to prove yourself and 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 I and I describe like this to my boys because my boys and I have this conversation all the time and I say here's how it works I say it's like going from here to like I don't know let's say from here to Florida mm-hmm. right from it doesn't matter where you are from whatever you live whoever's listening to this podcast from whatever you live to Florida but by being born in this country you already got the advantage to start from like half halfway there from half the point to Florida. Right. And then us, when we come from another country, we, we have to start from zero. So you already got a head start. I don't. I have to start learning the language. I have to start dealing with a lot of racism, unfortunately, mm-hmm. sometimes, not all the time. There's a lot of people that are nice. A lot of people will call you names or whatever, especially when you don't speak the language. And, you know, it's, it's a little rough. Right. And, then, and then not having the education. And then it's like you literally are going uphill the entire time, bro. It never goes flat. You're always going uphill. And so to me, you know, being Latino means just taking this pride and say, you know what? It doesn't matter if I'm starting from like minus 100, bro. You know, right. I know I have the strength. I know I have a culture that is strong people as well, you know. And and it's funny because even though I'm a Latino, bro, I, I, I love this country. God, like, you know, I, got, I, I came here when I was almost 16 years old. Right. You know, and I'm 40, I'm going to be 48 this year. So clearly I have spent more, more of my life in this country that I spend in my own. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I tell people all the time, even though I'm an American citizen, you know, obviously I have this love for both countries. And so being Latino is an amazing thing, bro. I, I mean, I don't know, you know how to start to describe it. It's just, at the end of the day, it's, it's just, it's just being proud of it. Not, right. not a shame of it, just being proud of it, being proud of, of the culture. And when I say the culture of saying Latino, I'm covering every country. I'm not just saying Colombians. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about every every Spanish country. You know, like I say, your flag is my flag. You know what I mean? It's that simple, mm-hmm. you know? So, so that's it, bro. That's pretty much how I can just summarize it for you. That's awesome. How do you feel the pride and the culture attributed to your success in Taekwondo and then also in your business and all your endeavors that you've hence completed and continue to complete as you're going forward? I, I guess, you know what? The pride comes from knowing that you started with nothing mm-hmm. and and being able to, uh, I guess in many cases, outsmart, outgrow, uh, you know what I mean? Like everything, like I say, like like just coming here with nothing and making something out of you, 
the, it's just that this this sense of pride when you say, "Look, nothing was given to me." Not I look. Don't get me wrong. I don't want people to be listening, you know, and say, "Wow, you know, just because you know nothing was given to her, you know, whatever." Like, I, I, look, if I would have a two rich parents and they would give me everything, bro, I wouldn't feel feel bad. I will be here saying, "Now that's the greatest thing in the world." <laughs> I got a mom and my dad that fucking gave me everything. You know, I didn't even have to like do shit. They they bought me a school. They bought me. They opened up business for me. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, like when people say, "Oh, you know, this guy, you know, he's nobody. You know, his parents gave him everything." So guess what? That's what parents are supposed to do. Not supposed to do. Let me don't even take it there. Mm-hmm. Parents are not supposed to go and open business for the kids or whatever. But if a parent has the 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 ability to go and help their child or their son or their or their daughter and open a business and kind of I, I, and kind of help them in that way, why not? There's nothing wrong with that, bro. Right. You know. So when I say to you, I feel the, this pride of being Latino. I don't. I don't mean just pride because I. I made myself from nothing. You know what I mean? I became something. I'm talking about like just just the pride to say, you know what? I I, I, I am proud to speak two languages. I am proud to know two cultures or more than just two cultures because when we talk about the Latino culture, I mean, we talk about every country that speaks yeah. Spanish. You know what I mean? So it's a lot of cultures out there. And I'm happy that I'm I'm, I, I'm able to be exposed to any of them. You know, so, so you know, it... it it's an amazing thing, bro. All I can tell you is that I will never, if, you know, people tell me all the time, if you could have been, you know, born again, who would you like to be born as? I'm like, as myself. I say, I gone through some shit. And as much as you might want to say, yeah, I would like to be born, I, I would like to come back as, uh, you know, what's the guy from Playboy? What's his name? You uh, <laughs> have um, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like no, dude, I want to come back as myself because you know what? I am the better. I'm, I am the best version of myself. I'm like. I'm like the only. I'm like the only version I know. You know what I mean? If right. I come back as somebody else, I don't know what that somebody else feels like. It's like you know. We just see the outside box. You know. You see yeah. somebody like, you know, Zuckerberg. You know. You said, ah, this kid is young. He's like one of the richest guy in the world. But we don't know what he really goes through. Yeah. You know. I realized one thing that the more you have, the more shit you got to worry about. That's so guess what, bro? True. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to come back as nobody else. I'll come back a hundred times as me. Under the same exact circumstances, and just, yeah, I wouldn't change that fucking thing, bro. That's awesome. Now, you you touched on it a little earlier, talking about how you had to work twice as hard. Give us some examples of hardships you faced because of your culture. So, ha, yeah, that's a good one, bro. When I say working twice as hard. It wasn't much because of the culture, I guess. Mm-hmm. Even though, even though when you're Latino, bro, sometimes I don't know why, but sometimes we we end up doing the shitty job, the shittiest jobs. Right. Um. So, so let's say, okay, so I'll give you a good example. So, mm-hmm. when you're Latino, and I'm going to talk in this case about me, I cannot relate to every Latino out there because some right. Latinos that are born here, and so they find, you know, you speak English, and there's no issues, and you know, when people say, "Where, you, where were you born?" You say, "Fucking, I was born in New York City." You know, when I say I was born in Colombia with an accent, <laughs> that's a different story, you know. So in that in that in those times of like hardship, you know, when I said to you I had to work twice as hard, a lot of the kids that were training for the Olympics in my team, they were being supported by the parents. But they had they, they didn't have to do shit, bro. All they had to do is just compete, do well in school and whatever. I had to go I had a job. I had to support myself and I had to support my family. Right. And I couldn't get a good job because of the amount of hours training. So how do I get a nice paying job when it requires 40 hours of me a week and I, I need all those hours to train? Right. You know what I mean? So 
that's what I say to you. I had to get a whole bunch of little shitty part-time jobs. And when I talking about, when I when I say that, I'm talking about I used to pump gas on the weekends. I used to like cut grass on the weekends. I used to uh, um, what else did I do? I used to like I, I was a dishwasher at a pizzeria. You know, anything I can get in my hands on, bro, it didn't matter. Was it humiliating? Fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Look, yeah. I get it. Working at McDonald's and think I never worked at McDonald's, but if I had to work at McDonald's, it, again, it's like it's like Bill Gates said. You know, working at McDonald's to a foreign for a, for another person from another country, it's job opportunity for people in this country. It's like the ultimate humiliation. Right. But I, you see the difference. So to me, working at any shitty place, you know, wasn't a big deal. Even though, like I say, I didn't enjoy it. So so here I am, and I'll give you another thing about me. I'm super, super, super. I have this extreme, extreme allergy to pollen. Here I am, fucking cutting grass in the summertime, bro. When I talk about how I felt, my eyes were like fucking like somebody was beating me up every day yeah. from rubbing my my eyes. So, but again, do I have a choice? No, I'm like, yeah, I need the job. I need the, the few hours that they they were willing to work with me around my schedule, and well, I did it, bro. Washing dishes uh, at nighttime sometimes in the pizzeria, you know, and was it, it was tough. Sometimes it was upsetting. Because then you start comparing your life to other people. And I will look at these like kids that will come and they'll use like, even at the gas station, they'll come and they fill up the nice cars and they'll pay with mommy and daddy's credit card. Yeah. Now, there I am at the pizzeria washing fucking dishes, bro, looking like a little slave. And you see all these kids, man. And, they, and you know, so at one point, I got really angry about the whole thing. You know what? I would get really angry working in these places because I guess I was comparing my life to all the people's lives. And then I realized that, you know what? Good for them, bro. You know, yeah. good for them. They they happen to be born in a better family, or not even so much of a better family. Maybe a family that were financially more stable, right. and they were able to give the kids what whatever they they wanted. And so, you know what I mean. So even though at the moment I would get angry about it, I did have to work twice as hard, like anyone more than so anyone else in my team, because like I say, half of these guys they didn't have jobs. Their only job was to fucking compete. That's it. Compete, be at your best, eat healthy, and all that. Me, I find myself eating half the time, probably most of the time, eating McDonald's because it was the only shit I could afford. Do you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. but it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have much of an option. Now, we've touched on all the stuff you've accomplished so far. What's next? For so, you, what do you that's want a good to one, do? Bro. So, we have a few things going on right now. So, we have our fitness business, we have our martial arts school, mm -hmm. right? Teaching kids has always been my passion, even though. I think it's a big difference of the way kids are nowadays. Right. And the reason why I say that is because, so let's say 10, 15, 20 years ago, the parents would understand that when you enroll your child, let's say, into a martial arts school, they, they understood the, uh, the concept. They understood the philosophy behind that. They understood uh, what comes with a martial arts program. Right. You know, it's going to be discipline. It's no bullshit. The literally is is army for children. This is what I tell parents all the time, especially now. I said, look, you do know that a martial arts school, at least a good one, is like you're enrolling your child in the army, but it's for kids. So, no, they will not get any weapons because they will become the weapon. Right. But there's no bullshit. 
This is not a place where you just drop off your fucking kids just because, you know, their friend is there and they just want to bullshit and just waste your time. You know, so back then, every parent understood that. Every parent said, no, this, I, this is why I want my kid here. He needs discipline right. or he needs to be, you know, he's too shy. I want him to come out of the box a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like, I need, I need him to be able to protect himself. Now I feel like the kids that want to do martial arts, not all of them, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to throw everybody in, in the fire like that. But the majority of the kids that do martial arts now, it's either because they think they're going to be UFC fighters, so they get old with the with the the, the, the this this idea that within like six weeks they're going to become like champions. All the ones are doing it just because their body's doing it, and then all the parents enroll the kids into any program temporarily because they need the kids to do something in the meantime until the sport comes around back again. around right. you know it's a, it's a, so they look at it more as a seasonal thing instead of looking at it more as a way of life the way we were taught mm-hmm. so it makes it very difficult when you're there trying to correct the child and you know and then parents are not backing you up like parents are not doing that so i'll give you a perfect example mm-hmm. so about a few weeks ago we have two kids that walk into the place and they just walked in like they own the joint right like they don't give a shit they just walk in and whatever so i looked up both of them i said excuse me and they look at me and i'm like go outside and come back again so they're looking at me weird. I said, yeah, go outside or completely outside the doors and walk in again. They didn't. They still didn't say hello. Nothing, bro. Zero. I said again, excuse me. And they look at me weird. I said, go back outside and let's repeat. Let's, let's, I said, we're missing something here. I don't know what I'd say. I, I don't know quite what it is, but I say, you guys are missing something when you enter a place. They did it like five times, bro. And all five times, they didn't get it until I say, guys, didn't your parents say to like say hello? You just walked into a place. This is a martial arts school. Your masters are standing right by the front desk. I'm like, where's your manners? Oh, I'm sorry, Master Al. Hi, Master Al. I say, hey, guy, what's up, kids? But then I said to them, I said, good, guys. I said, the next time, I say, it won't be as nice. I said, the next time, because you just learned the lesson. I said, but the next time, if I have to do that for you, if I have to remind you about your manners, I say, I'm going to take your belts away. Right. And I will give it back to you when you learn manners. Well, the very next day, the mom was at my front desk. And I wasn't there. So Angela was talking to the mom, and the mom literally said to Angela, is it true that the boys are going to lose their belts because they did not say hello to Master Al? And I just said, no, 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 no. It wasn't because they didn't say hello to Master Al. Master Al was trying to teach them a lesson about being, about manners, you know, about this is things that kids should learn at home. Mm-hmm. But when they don't know, when we teach it to them in here too, because that's part of being a black belt. See, everybody thinks being a black belt is about breaking balls, jumping in the air, spinning in the air, kicking somebody in the face. You know, that's the easy part, actually. Mm-hmm. Being a black belt is, is literally being polite, having manners, you know, giving your seat to someone else, helping someone with the bags, open doors. You know, like people have lost the real meaning of being a black belt. You know, everybody thinks being a black belt is only someone that can actually cut somebody open in the face with an elbow. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, that's the athlete, that's the, the athletic part of being a black belt. So that one example just tells you everything. When you, the parent, get upset because someone kind of like how to teach your kids manners, you know, and your parents instead of saying to the kids, yeah, I think you guys did wrong. What happened to you guys? And instead you come in front of your kids and try to like fight for them to another adult about like why that, that, that goes to show you how fucked up things are in general. It's but true. that's not every parent, but it's a lot of parents, believe yeah. it or not, you know? It's true. So it sucks, bro. But <clears throat> go ahead. Who's been your biggest inspiration so far? Negative people. Nice. I, I'm going to tell you why. For me. Huh? Go ahead. Elaborate on that for me. 
of course. So my mother laughed in my face. <laughs> <laughs> Take that one. My father never sent the money. A mm. dollar. Just keep in mind, a dollar. I know it sucks, but it's, it's just I have to. I'm, I'm I'm bringing a point right now. A dollar. Okay. Right. Uh, my ex-wife asked me to choose. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oh, here's another little story, real quick. So I'm training for the Olympics. I'm 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 going in and out of the house. You know, I'm still living with my parents, and I'm like going outside because we live in this shitty little apartment. And I'm doing like jumping jacks, and I'm doing like like almost like shadow boxing, but with taekwondo, kicking right. in the air, doing all my fun stuff, right? I come inside the house, and I'm sweating, I'm breathing heavy. And my dad says, "You better quit that shit." I said, "Why, dad? What am I doing wrong?" He says to me, "Because you're never gonna make a fucking dollar in your life with wow. this shit." Wow. So here's a guy that never sent a dollar, telling me I will never make a dollar in my life. If he only knew, <laughs> if he only knew <laughs> how many dollars I'd made, right? That's but, crazy. So when you say who, who's my biggest inspiration, it's like, of course, I get inspired by like people like Tony Robbins. Believe it or not, Gary Vee. I love the way, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, is the guy always cursing and saying all this shit? Of course. But you know what? I find that he's real. He's it's not sugarcoating anything for people. And I find that my style is pretty much the same way. Uh, so when it comes to like inspiration, of course, I get inspired with a lot of things, bro. I can get inspired just by like listening to a beautiful song with the right words, you know, mm-hmm. just going back and listen to Frank Sinatra. I can get inspired by that. I can get inspired by, you know, people's biography, like Nelson Mandela. You know what I mean? Like, right. like I can get inspired so easy by all these people that have been before me and done so, uh, such amazing things. But what inspire, inspires me and what drives me, it's literally, I guess, it's slightly different. I find more inspiration and, and, and drive in negative people because my entire life I have to prove myself wrong. So... Now I got used to it, and and I and I give you and I'm and I'm gonna tell you when I realized that. Mm-hmm. So about about five six years ago, a couple of my teammates from the Olympics, you know, they came, and I was teaching class and I was demonstrating the class or whatever, and they was just chilling or whatever. And then at the end of the class, before they left, they said to me, "says Holy shit, Al, you look good, bro." You know, I'm like, and I'm like, "What do you mean?" He says, "You look good. Like you're still fast. You still, you know, even though you got a little older and a little heavier." He says, "You're fucking still fast. You 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 still got it, bro." Bro, I went that night home. I fucking had, like, I, I'm not going to exaggerate. Like, I want to have a burger and a beer. But, like, it didn't bother me. Like, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I realized that when somebody pays me a compliment like that, it does, does nothing for me. Right. But I realized that if my two friends would have come that night and they would have said, dude, what the fuck? You know, you look old, slow, and fat, or whatever. Dude, I promise you, after they left, I would have closed the school. And you I would have stayed, stayed there all night, night. fucking <laughs> kicking the heavy bag. You get it? Yeah. <laughs> that's why and that's when I realized more so that in my life more than any other occasion that what really inspires me and drives me is when people are negative and they tell me I can do something that drives me in a positive way you know so it's weird but it works for me bro nice so to your younger self what advice would you give to my younger self yes okay so Shit, bro. I will give two. <laughs> so one, be more patient. Right. I always lost my shit, bro. Like I say, even even though, even though I'm I'm humble and I and I would like to believe so still that I'm still very humble regardless of all those accomplishments you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. See, I still eat rice and beans. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what I mean is, like, I'm still humble. I'm still the kind of guy that doesn't walk around and brag about shit. Like, you know what, if people say, oh, man, who you are and what do you do and what have you done, of course, you have to mention it because that's part of what they're asking. But I'm not the kind of guy that walks around like 
thinking I'm a badass or anything like that. So if I have to go back and talk to myself 20, 30 years ago, honestly, it's like be more patient. You know, I, I will ask me, I will tell myself to be a little bit more patient. And the next thing I will say is pretty much is control more of my anger. And what I say by that is a lot of times between all those chaos, between being disappointed, between having negative people in my life, between having the shittiest jobs and seeing all the people do better than me, I was always angry. Right. You know, but don't get me wrong. Part of being angry is not so bad because it makes you want to like do better for yourself. Mm-hmm. It only it's only bad when you do stupid shit because of your anger. So I will only advise myself to control my anger in a way where the times I did something stupid I shouldn't have, mm-hmm. controlling so so none of that shit would have happened. But it still keeps some some sort of anger that motivated me enough to like move forward, you know, succeed. Right. That's awesome. So. <clears throat> What are some of the projects you got going on right now? Any new programs coming up that the people can expect from you? So, yeah. So right now we have, well, the goal is to open more locations. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming a little harder lately because this new location where we are right now is busy, busier. And literally the entire family works there. So for me to open another location or for one of the boys to open their own location, which that's the goal anyways. Mm-hmm. You see, before the goal was to like, hey, I want to have a million dollars in the in the bank. I want to drive a Bugatti, a Bugatti. You know what I mean? Like I, w- I want to have all this different. See, I was thinking more of the material part of my life. Right. So my son, my youngest son, Q, says to me the other day, Dad, what's your – and it's funny. It literally was almost a question that you, that you asked. You've done all this crazy stuff that you never thought you could. What's next? Yeah. And I said to him, I said, you know what, Q? Next is probably for me as a father to make sure you and your brother are okay. That if something was to happen to me tomorrow or six months from now, that I'm actually going to smile, bro. That, I, no. that it doesn't matter if I'm still young, that I can actually smile and say, fuck it, it is what it is. But, but I live my life the way I want it. I struggle. Of course I did. But, but still, I was able to still, you know, come on, on top, you know. But my, my biggest goal right now is to make sure that my boys own their own business and that they're successful. So when it comes to us right now, like honestly, we just want to open more locations. And I have, I, I have developed this love for helping people that are overweight. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, bro. I, even, though, even though I make all these fun, funny jokes and shit, you know what I mean? Because you, 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 I mean, we've been friends for a long time. Right. You know my style of teaching and talking and motivating people. But... And even even though I wrote the book, you're fat. Admit it. It was it was not a book that was intentionally done to disrespect anyone or right. to offend anyone. It was pretty much a book that it was more about dealing with the mind part of why you got heavy, and understanding that as soon as you realize that you're fat or that you have an issue, the sooner you can get to start working on fixing that issue. So it's almost like going to AA, you know, where the first thing that comes out of your mouth is, "Hi, my name is Al, and I'm an alcoholic." Right. So in this case, with the book, it's kind of like saying, you're fat, admit it. Stop, stop saying that you're not fat. Stop, stop hiding underneath your clothes. You know what I mean? Stop being upset when people say you're fat. You know, nobody's doing that on purpose. Mm-hmm. And there's a chapter in the book that says the reason why your, your friends and your spouse and, and all these close people to you won't tell you you're fat. And one of the reasons is because they love you. Right. They don't want to hurt you. But I don't fucking love you. I'm the guy writing the book trying to help you. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it's a yeah. difference, and that's why I say it. So there's a part in the book that I call the Rafe talk, mm-hmm. which is like the real talk, pretty much. It stands for the real talk. Saying, "Look, I'm gonna talk to you like in my body. Like we know each other since we're in elementary school. So I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything. I'm gonna tell you how it is, and 
take it from there. You know what I mean? If you're going to be mad at me, at your best friend, for being honest, then, then you really have a problem. Yeah. You know? So. If you can give one piece of advice to the younger generation of kids, Latino boys and girls, you know, teenagers, kids coming up who are still trying to find their way, understand the world, give them one piece of advice. Believe in yourselves. Honestly, you might think that you want to be a doctor. You might think you want to be a, a gym owner. You might think you want to be a mechanic. You might think you want to be a dentist. You might think you want to be an actress or a singer. Honestly, the only advice I can give is believe in yourself. Because you know what? Guess what? It's nothing wrong with being a mechanic, a doctor, or any of that stuff. There's nothing wrong with it. It's nothing wrong with making money or wanting to be ambitious. I think the problem is when all the people try to talk you out of it, like in my case, clearly, between all the people that were closest to me, and I had to stay truthful to myself. I had to believe in myself. I had to believe that I had the ability to do that. So the funny thing is, it takes about 12 to 14 years to become a doctor, right? Between school and all the right? Mm -hmm. But it also takes about 12 to 14 years to become a master. So I tell people all the time, I could have been anything I wanted. I could have been the doctor. I could have been the lawyer. I could have been the fucking pilot. But I chose to do something else. Spend the same amount of time pretty much to master something else that I really was more in a line, aligned with myself, with what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So, shit, you know, one thing that I tell the kids all the time is I said, don't, don't follow your parents' dreams. Those are your parents' dreams. Mm-hmm. You need to follow your dreams. If, if, if your parents own restaurants, but you say, I, I don't want to be in the restaurant business, I want to be an accountant, then guess what? I know you're going to disappoint your parents for a little while and they're going to be upset at you. Like my mother was at me for like two or three years when I quit college. Right. But she's still my mother. Eventually she had to talk back to me, right? Eventually we had to talk again. Yeah. So it's one of those things that you can't just – so my advice to the young generation is, one, believe in yourself, really, like really truthfully believe in yourselves. You don't have to do what your parents are doing, you know, in order for you to be successful. And if you end up doing something that in the eyes of the community or in the eyes of other people you're not as successful as maybe your other siblings – or your, even your own parents, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, I think what people should be pursuing is not money, but happiness. Let the fans know where they can find you, social media, all that stuff, your website. On on Facebook, I mean, the easiest way to find me is just go and click Master Al. Master Al. That's it. Simple. M-A-S-T-E-R-A-L. So Facebook, Master Al. Uh, social media, uh, we have the name of the, the business. So we have two businesses within in the same location. One is called Club Rofit, and the other one is called Panthers Martial Arts. And it's pretty much, I mean, we have our own YouTube channel. Like you said, we have our podcast. And by the way, the podcast was all thanks to you. I owe you that because when you start doing your podcast, you, you motivated me to do something you know, like that where I said, wow, this is great. I can talk all the shit I want in the world and like, I don't have to look at nobody. No, I'm kidding. No, No, honestly, when I saw what you were doing with the sports and everything, I said, that's pretty neat. And in this, in this new love of mine to try to help people to lose weight, I say, I can actually have another, another, another vehicle, another way to, I can actually just try to help people that need to lose weight. And that's why, you know, I, so between the YouTube channel, between my 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 videos on on social media, and between the podcast, and again that podcast thing that was born thanks mm-hmm. to you, I find that I have more ways to get to people to talk to them, uh, 
to tell them how it is because I still gonna I'm, I'm always gonna stay truthful to myself. Right. You know, it's like I said to people, you know, like women, and this is a lot of people laugh with this shit. You know, mm -hmm. so when you get to know my sense of humor, people is gonna say, all right, I know where he's coming from. He's coming from a good place. This guy's actually hilarious. But when I tell people all the time, like women says to me all the time, I don't want to lift weights. I don't. I don't want to look like a dude. I'm like, first of all. Lifting weights is not going to make you look like a dude. It's actually going to help you turn up your body at the same time you're losing weight. Right. But if you look like a guy, it's because God makes you that way. And, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> the podcast allows me just to, like, talk to people and be myself and not be shy about anything and, and literally just try. It's another way for me to help people either lose weight, turn up, and just get in, get in better shape altogether, bro. Right. And they can find that on Anchor. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, yeah. all that good yeah, stuff. Yeah, pretty much in all of them. Yeah, pretty much in everything, bro. So, Master so Al's even though, Power Talk. Go ahead, bro. Go and, go and find it, guys. Master Al's Power Talk. You guys want to be inspired. You want to lose some weight. You want to get some daily motivation. Go find the podcast. Subscribe to Master Al's Podcast and uh, enjoy it. It's, it's great. It's a great listen if you guys really want a real perspective of someone who's not going to tell you hey you know get off that couch and do this you want someone to tell you gonna hey get off your lazy ass go do this master al's your guy thanks brother no problem anytime so i just want to say thank you again for coming on everybody it's my pleasure bro um the website www.thesportsfrenzypodcast.com it has all the links to all our stuff there social media all the episodes, all our other episodes, the Frenzy, the Sold Out Wrestling Podcast, it's all on there. So check us out. Thank you guys for listening and tune in next week. We'll have another guest and uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks. Thank you, Freddie. I appreciate it, brother. Anytime.